like, I love that. It's like we totally hype it up and everything. I hope it's as good as, as the, uh, whatever it is. Hi, guys. I am Pastor Tom. Um, Pastor Carl is in Phoenix for the Force con- Convention. They left everyone behind me and Scott. We had to hold the fort. Um, thank God it's almost over. Okay. I mean, it's pretty scary. Everyone's gone. Mel's gone. Mel's in Vegas. I don't know. Um, I, I want to make another uh, plug for the food bank. Are you guys excited? Um, seriously, let's all, all month of June, let's bring our canned goods, let's bring goods uh, to help our community, right? I mean, we're, we're, we've been preaching about generosity, we've been teaching about let's, let's change this world, right? Let's start with our community. And the, big, the easiest thing is spam here, my hand, spam there, right? Let's do that. You guys ready to do that? Let's do it. Let's, let's break some records. I'm not sure. We should have a goal like we have for like Operation Christmas Child. Let's have a goal to, I don't know. Lots of spam, lots of Vienna sausage, all that. Sardines, any sardine fans? Okay, okay, all right, sorry. I'm Filipino, sorry. Uh, but you know what, let's let's bow our heads and pray before we get into the word. Father God, I want to thank you. Um, thank you for church, God. Thank you that we get to come together as a family. As brothers and sisters in Christ, we get to worship you. I mean, it, it's an amazing thing. I pray... Lord, that we never take that for granted, that we're excited to come to church, that, um, that we want to be here. It's not something that, okay, I've got to check in at church, got to check in at God, um, but we want to be with church family. We want to be with brothers and sisters, um, that this be a place filled with joy and fellowship, um, that this would be an a inclusive place, not an exclusive place, or that anyone can come, anyone can feel loved, Lord, that everyone um, feels accepted and needed and used and and being equipped and, and, and in service for you, God. I, that's what a church should be. Lord, thank you for Vision May. I pray that it be Vision the next five years. <laughs> Lord, that we do exactly what you've called us to do. In Jesus' first name, we all say, amen. amen. Um, but don't you guys agree that church should be good? All right, one person. The rest of you are going, I just, I don't know. I'm not, what, what am I expecting? Shouldn't church be good? Okay. Right? You should come here and go, you know what? That was good. Worship was good. Teaching was good. Announcements was incredible. You know? Oh, man. You know, um, it, it should be good. Why? Because God is good. Okay, right. All right. He is good all the time, right? And when, when, when brothers and sisters come together, seriously, something happens. You know, I really, I thoroughly enjoy worshiping in my shower. I thoroughly enjoy worshiping in, in my living room by myself. I would, I'd much rather be worshiping with 400 other people because it's loud. It's like, yeah, it's a celebration. It's a pate, right? It is. Come on, guys, right? Church should be good. And, and when we go back, we're going to go back into 1 Corinthians. And, um, you know, you, you can read 1 Corinthians and go, Paul, what a nag. Nag, 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 nag. Paul just, all he does is complain about the Corinthian church. Why? Because they kind of slipped a little, right? They, they had some good stuff. They had some great things going on, but they kind of slipped. They were, they were not doing it so great because you know why? Paul experienced the good stuff. How many guys, when we went through uh, the book of Acts, remember Acts 2? Remember how good church was in Acts 2? I do, I do. It's, it's that day, right? Remember that day when there was 120 Christians in Jerusalem and then the Holy Spirit came? 
and, and, and stuff happened, and Peter preached an amazing gospel. And how many people got saved that day? 3,000. They said they were sharing with one another. They were going to, to the temple every day. They were meeting in homes. They were eating. Miracles were happening. Guess what? Every single day they were enjoying the joy and the goodwill of everybody. And guess what? People were coming to the Lord in droves. Why? Because church was good. Right? Church is good. And when Paul is saying in, in, these, in these chapters, he's saying, you know what? I, I know when church is good. There's something wrong here, right? And he was just, you know what? Let's let's get it right, you know. And as you know what, we're not the perfect church. Can I get an amen? amen. We're not the perfect church. Yeah, we got we got we got problems. We got stuff. No, there is no perfect church, right? But we're trying to be a good church. We're we're trying to be a church when we get together. The Holy Spirit is here. We worship God. And it's all about Jesus, and people are getting saved every single time. That we won't have a service where we go. Okay, anybody going to raise your hand? Oh, nobody? No, we want, when, when we have a service and we go, does anybody want to accept or be, make Jesus Christ their Lord? Hands are just going, boom, yep. Why? Because we brought them in because we know that this church is good. Okay? So I want to make church good to grow his kingdom. Do you hear my passion in my voice? Okay? Um, let's do this. Let's go to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And, um, and you know what? It wasn't just the church's fall in, in Corinth. Right? That's what Corinthians is, is Paul's letter to the church in Corinth. It wasn't just their fault. Corinth was a weird city, right? It wasn't just a normal city. It was a port city, right? Kind of like us. We're in Oahu, right? It's a port city. And in a port city, you get what? Ships. <laughs> you, get, you get boats in a port city. You get a lot of different kind of people, right? You get a lot. <laughs> Thanks. You get boats, you get a harbor, Tom. I've seen a port before. No. You get different cultures come. Why? Because it's a trading center, right? Hawaii, we got what? Filipinos in the house. <laughs> Japanese, we got the Portuguese, we got the Hawaiians, we got everybody, right? Woo! Right? And it's all, the, all, the cultures are mixing, right? And um, there's the, sometimes it's just pro, it's, there's problems. And this is what's happening in the Corinthian church. There was kind of a culture cr- a clash. Uh, and, and basically, Paul's trying to help them out, going, okay, how do we solve this culture clash? How do we, how do we get it to where this church of all these different races and all these different people and, and make church good? So let's go to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 2. And it says, I am so glad that you always keep me in your thoughts and that you're all, uh, following the teachings I passed on to you. But there is one thing I want you to know. The head of every man is Christ. The head of woman is man, and the head of Christ is God. A man dishonors, dishonors his head if he covers his head while praying or prophesying. But a woman dishonors her head if she prays or prophesies without a covering on her head. For this is the same as shaving her head. Yes, if she refuses to wear a head covering, she should cut off all her hair. But since it is shameful for a woman to have her hair cut off her head, Head, her head shaved, she should wear a covering. A man should not wear anything on his head when worshiping, for man is made in God's image and reflects God's glory, and woman reflects man's glory. For the first man didn't come from woman, but the first woman came from man. And man was not made for woman, but woman was made for a man. Bear with me, I got some more. Okay, here we go. For this reason, I became, uh, and because the angels are watching, a woman should wear a covenant, covering on her head to show his 
so she is under authority. But among the Lord's people, women are not independent of men, and men are not independent of women. For although the first woman came from man, every other man was born from a woman. Oh, yeah. And everything came from God. Judge for yourselves, is this right for a woman to pray to God in public without covering her head? Isn't it obvious that it's disgraceful for a man to have long hair? And isn't long hair a woman's pride and joy? For it has been given to her as a covering. But if anyone wants to argue about this, I simply say that we have no other custom than this, and neither do God, gods or other churches. Okay, take a breather. <gasps> all right, now I'm going to suck you back in, all right? Okay, you're like going, what is up with that, Tom? That is confusing. I don't understand that. Why do we even have to read that? You know what? I want to read. I want to. I want to share the whole gospel with you guys. I don't want to just pick and choose stuff, right? This, these are some. These are some difficult scriptures. And thanks a lot, Carl, that I get to share it with you guys. Uh, these are some pretty difficult scriptures. That, I mean, right? I mean, how many guys are getting a little like, "Ooh, this is like, ooh, like some women are like, there's no man that rules over me. What's going on? You're not my authority, you know." Or how many of your men looking at your wife are like, that's right. Oh, I'm over you. I'm covering you. I'm your authority. And you know what? I don't want to tackle that right now, okay? Um, I, there's another point to this. But you know what? I actually want to make a point. You know what? I'll tackle it. I'm going to tackle it right now. Because um, I actually do, I do weddings. Uh, you know, I do a lot of weddings. And um, I always bring up Ephesians 5, right? Ephesians 5 is the classic marriage verse, right? And men can lo- love this verse because it's, the wife should submit to the husband. Oh, yeah right? You know, you know one, one verse we forget? The next verse that says, the woman, the man should submit to the wife. It's a mutual submission. Are you guys hearing me? And, and in that little section where the woman, the responsibilities of a woman, it's like this. You know the responsibilities of a man is? Boom. It's longer. It's twice as long. That we, as a man, right? As, as, the, as, as the head of the household, as the leader, we got twice the responsibility. It's not just me going, oh yeah, you gotta listen to me. Boom. Like that stance. Sorry. Is that my authoritative stance? Will you listen to me like this? Oh, man, I'm, going, I'm getting loopy, sorry. I'm, get, I'm getting no sleep, I promise. Okay. Um, it's a mutual submission. Are you guys hearing me? It's, it's, you, should love, uh, you, you should love your husband and you should res- respect your wife, and it's this mutual thing. And, and when we come together, and I love the verse that it says, you know what? We're, we all came from God anyway, okay? And I want to make sure you guys don't get... You know, you get caught up in this, what's this man, women thing? Okay, well, that's another teaching, okay? But you know what You know what Paul's really, really saying here? Is he wants unity. And you're thinking, I didn't see unity in that. What's, what's going on here? What was happening? What did I say? There was a clash of cultures in the Corinthian church, right? There was Greeks. There was Jewish. There was Macedonians. And there was, like, Africans. And there is this, they were all coming together. And they're going, and they're on this one city. And it was, there was this weird things going on. And some of the cultures of, of the temple, of the, when worship came, right, the Jewish women wore a head covering of worship. They always did. That was a traditional thing. The Greek women did not. When in the pagan worship, they didn't wear a covering over the head. Um, and here's the thing. Jewish women, Jewish women saw an uncovered head, right, a, a head that didn't have a cover on it as, as a sign of a, a loose morals. Okay? Are you with me? All right? Um, in Corinth, long hair on a man, right, long hair on a man, thought to be a sign of male prostitution. Oh, okay. Uh, while short hair on a woman meant the same thing, right? So if your hair was short back then, 
you're a, a prostitute in the, in the temple, okay? So it's a sign of you being a prostitute. Now you're saying, like, if you read this, like, our church is way off track because we have mustache May. We have, like, long hair Tuesdays. I don't know, you know, like, like for a while, you know, Carl had long hair. How many guys enjoyed that? Um, I had, I actually made a vow. Um, we, you know, we, we're, we were in Australia, and, and Carl and Scott kind of chickened out. But sorry. But we, we, we just let our, our hair grow out. And so time passed on, so my wife was pregnant. And my wife was like, why don't you just grow your hair out till, till the kids are born, right? I'm like, oh, my gosh, you're kidding me, right? Let me tell you this. I, I made that vow, and I, I, I fulfilled that vow. I want to tell you that. that yeah, that's right. You can clap for me. I, till, I waited till my, I looked, I looked really freaky until my kids were born. Um, but you know what? Um, we weren't wrong, right? It was a culture thing back there. Are you, are you hearing me? Back then, it was just like people going, whoa, are you, are you, do you have loose morals? And when they came to the church, it just caused division, right? It just like, imagine coming to church and people are like, you're automatically judging people like, oh, look at the, get that short-haired women group over there. And, you know, I used to go to concerts a lot. Um, back in the day, and, you know, I'm short, if you didn't notice, okay? Um, and for some reason, every time, like, you go to a concert and there's no seats or anything, uh, like, you, you start, you know, you start jockeying for position to see, right? And all, all of a sudden, I find myself in the short people section. I'm just like, oh, I can finally see the stage. I'm just like, everyone's five foot here. Like, what's going on? Like, awesome, you know? And, but it, it shouldn't happen in th- like that in church, shouldn't it, right? shouldn't be in segregations, right? We should be all loving each other, right? Right? And so what, what Paul is suggesting here, let's, let's kind of make a compromise here. Let's, you know what? Let's just make a general suggestion, his rule, his solution to this, this, this mix of cultures. Why don't you just wear a cover on your head for women, okay? Men, just don't do long hair. Let's just do that. So you know what? So there's no division or distraction in the church. Are you hearing me? Paul was all about unity, Right? He wanted unity in 1 Corinthians. When he first started this um, chapter, right, in 1 Corinthians uh, uh, 1, verse 10, says this, I appeal to you, dear brothers and sisters, by the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ to live in harmony with each other. Let there be no divisions in the church. Rather, be of one mind, united in thought and purpose. That was his whole goal, goal, right? And you're thinking, okay, so why are you reading this, Tom? If that was a culture-specific thing, then what does that have to do with us? I think we can learn some things uh, about this. I mean, ask yourself this. What behaviors and attitudes do you have when you come into worship, right, that, that might distract or cause division in our church? What kind of attitudes do you have? It's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to hang out with those people. Or I'm going to only sit in that section. Or, ooh, yeah, I don't know about that person, Right? What kind of attitudes or behaviors do you have? And, and what can we change that so that, we, you know what, I'm going to take one for the team. I want, I want to have unity in the church. Are you guys hearing me? Okay, I have a prime example of this because it was me. It was, I'm the example. Um, when I got hired uh, on staff at Hope Chapel, there was a huge culture clash uh, because um, I just got out of college and I was in a punk band and I was in the punk realm. I went to shows almost every every other week. I was just that that was my life for a lot, five or six years. I was I was just I was in the punk world. Um, and and so I looked like it, right? I don't know if you guys remember my teaching about me being dirty Tom. I was dirty Tom. 
Not perverted dirty Tom, okay? I just didn't bathe. Someone told me that. You're dirty? Dirty Tom. No, no, I just was dirty, like stink, <laughs> you know. Um, but I would bleach my hair. I would have a different color. And so this was how I looked. And, th- and praise God, Ralph had some vision. This is how he hired me, too. He's all, yep, you're going to come on staff, and you look like that. And I became the junior high pastor. Um, so I decided, wow, he, he okay, he accepted me the way I am. So I decided, you know what, I'm going to go real nuts with my hair. And so I decided to, to uh, make my head a leopard skin. Like, yeah, seriously, I bleached my head. And, like, I had someone, like, put black dots on it and, like, little, like, like a little golden dots in here. And it literally looked like a leopard skin head. My, my whole head looked like a leopard skin head. You guys, anybody remember that? Oh, cool. Awesome. Okay, cool. And um, I remember when I was, uh, part of my job when I first got hired was landscaping. So I'm landscaping. I'm weed whacking the, uh, the hill up there. And I, I saw Ralph's car coming, right? His red car, whatever he had. Um, I said, I'm like, hey, Ralph. And it was, this is the, I just did this, okay? So he's driving up the driveway, and he rolls down his window. I'm like, oh, I wonder what he's, you know, hey, what's up? He's going to say hi. He just rolls down the window. He looks right at me and says, don't ever do that again. Rolls his window back up and drives off. Right? I'm like, don't ever do that again. I'm like, right? And for me, I'm just like, what? I can do whatever I want. You hired me this way. You got to accept me how I am, man. Right? You promise to love me as is. Right? That's the promise, Ralph. That's the promise. Right? You're not living up. You're a hypocrite, right? And I got, seriously, I got kind of mad. I got kind of mad. I got rebellious. I was like, I can do whatever I want. Right? He's not the boss. Oh, yeah, he is my boss. Okay, uh, I better do something. But then later on, he explained. Um, he's like, you know what? Um, there's, there was a parent of a junior hire that was going, who's this kid? Who's this freaky kid that is hanging out with my, my kid, right? <laughs> and he said, you know what? This, this person just came to the Lord. Um, and you know what? Maybe you should stop doing that just, to, just so that you can get some, a little bit of respect. So this guy can respect you, and he, he's brand new in, in the Lord. And, um, and, and he just was wondering. He's like, who's this freaky guy with the leopard skin head? Okay. Um, and when he said it in those terms, I said, whoa, there's a soul at stake here. Are you hearing me? There's a soul at stake here. Am I going to hold on to my right of looking freaky and dirty, Tom? My, right? Because my, I, I, I can. I'm allowed to. I have freedom in Christ. I could come in here and look however I want. But you know what? I'm all, I want to do it for this guy because he's coming to the Lord. So I, you know what? It took me a while. I'm going to be honest here. I went a little mellow. I just went blue. <laughs> so I'm all, Ralph, it's not leopard. It's blue now. So then I went to green, and then I went to normal after that. But it took a while. I was a little stubborn back then. I was fresh in the ministry, but I learned something. I learned something. You know what? I'm, I'm going to let go of my rights to see people come to Jesus Christ so that I don't have cause division or distraction. Are you guys hearing me? Right? It's, it's not because I'm trying to make some rule. You know what? Because please hear me. Please, please, please hear me. Because one of the things we say here is we promise to love you as is. You're right. I want you to come here exactly how you are because you, you know what? Bam, come in. Right on. Welcome. Jesus welcomes you. Are you right? Okay, what I'm saying is, as we come together, let's, 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 what, what, what am I, am I causing distraction, right? Am I causing, it's an equipping thing, it's a maturity thing, it's a family thing, right? I want to be part of the family. Um, 
And so that's what happened to me. And you know what? It's not about enforcing a dress code. It's about unity and having the right attitude as you worship together. Let's go on in verse 17. And verse 17 says this. But in the following instructions, I cannot praise you. For it sounds as if more harm than good is done when you meet together. First, I hear that there are divisions among you when you meet as a church. And, and to some extent, I believe it. But of course, there must be divisions among you so that you who have God's approval will be recognized. Well, that's going to, I want to be on the approval side. Verse 20, when you meet together, you are not really interested in the Lord's Supper. For some of you hurry to eat your own meal without sharing with others. As a result, some go hungry while others get drunk. What? Don't you have your own homes for eating and drinking? Or do you really want to disgrace God's church and shame the poor? What am I say, supposed to say? Do you want me to praise you? Well, I certainly will not praise you for this. Woo! Is Paul upset or what? He's Paul's upset. And I think I would say this rightfully so. Why? Because he knows how good church can get, and this ain't it. Right? I mean, read that. That's pretty sad that people were left hungry while others were partying up a storm. Like, yeah! Right? At church. At church, where people, where God's love, where caring and sharing is supposed to be, well, there was exclusivity, exclusive, is that a word? Exclusivity? There you go, exclusivity. Nice. Uh, right? We, we should have everyone get some food. We, we, there shouldn't be um, one group here and then another group starving or whatever it is, and one group partying, and one group going, whoa, what's going on? How many guys... I mean, in high school, remember in high school? How many guys hated lunchtime in high school? Right? Come on! Right? Because you're like, you're walking in high school like, oh man, I can, is there any friends I can sit with? Right? The cafeterias are scary, right? It's like, ooh, there's the jocks, there's the emos, there's the, um, there's the rockers, there's the, there's the math guys, there's the chess guys. You know what I mean? You're like going, who am I going to have? I had to like really fight for who I sat with when I was in high school. Right? It's a scary thing. Let me, let me tell you one thing. Church shouldn't be like that. Church should not be like that. It shouldn't. We should come and go, whoa, this is an awesome place. Oh, my gosh. I mean, let me, can I tell you a little secret? Can I tell you a little, that's why we get, like, three, like, levels of greeters here. Because we don't want to, we don't want anyone leaving here going, oh, no one said hi to me. We, we are strategic about showing love to every single person here. We try. We try. We try. We try. We are not perfect. Seriously, we're not perfect. I'm sure some people left there going, no one said hi to me. But you know what? You must have been like going like this. Like, <laughs> no one said hi. You know? I mean, we're tr we try because we believe this place should be an inclusive place. And it should be. And things are going wrong. And, and then remember in 1 Corinthians um, Chapter 1, right? I mean, there were divisions in this church. Uh, Paul said it himself. For some members of Chloe's household have told me about your quarrels, my dear brothers and sisters. Some of you are saying, I am followers of Paul. Others are saying, oh, I am follower of Paulus or Peter, or I follow only Christ. Has Christ been divided into factions? Was I, Paul, crucified for you? Were any of you baptized in, in my name, of the name of Paul? Of course not. But what happened was, when the church came, and he's saying for specifically this, is the Lord's Supper. Now, what is that? Right? If you notice, what are we what are we doing tonight? Communion. We're talking about communion here, the Lord's Supper. And 
And in the Corinthian church, this is how they do it. This really interesting way they, had it, they, they did communion. They would get together and have a feast before they had communion. Right? And they, call, they called the whole thing the Lord's Supper. They would have a feast. They would eat. Right? Like some of you guys go to mini church. How many of you guys have, go to mini church and every week there's food? That's a good mini church. Okay, raise your hand so that we can go to your mini church. Right? Every week there's food that you're grinding. That's the way it should be, right? Because when you come together, you're, you're, you're fellowshipping. You're talking about your day. You're, gr- you're grinding. You're picking. You're sharing, you know, the best recipes, whatever it is. Um, that's what they did. They, they came together with this, for this fellowship meal. And then at the end of it, they had communion. They celebrated the end of this feast, this fellowship meal with communion. But what was happening, what was happening, right? The problem was when they got together, right, um, the people who brought the food or whatever it is, they got in line real fast, got their food, ate with their group, right? And someone, someone brought alcohol, I guess, right? And they started getting drunk, and they started picking out. They were full. They were all, like, you know. Well, others were, like, going, oh, I didn't get any. Wow, I'm hungry here. Wait, what's going on? Like, um, and now you guys are partying? Like, I didn't, I didn't get And there was a whole group. There was just... You know, and I, it was these divisions. They brought these divisions into these fellowship meals. Are you hearing me? They brought this, like, here's my, um, here's the Paulites. All right. Oh, yeah, the Peterites look pretty hungry. That's okay. You know? They brought the divisions, and it, that's, it was very apparent to Paul. I mean, imagine Paul, who experienced good church, walked in there going, oh, this is bad church. Right? He actually opens up the statement, right? You guys do more harm than good. Oh, my goodness. I don't want a church that does more harm than good. Our church better do good. Amen? We better do more good, right, when we come together. Um, But this was what was happening. And actually, um, in Jude, um, you don't have to turn there, but in Jude, chapter 1, verse 12, it gives you a little inkling what was going on. It says, when these people eat with you in your fellowship meals, commemorating the Lord's love, they are like dangerous reefs that can shipwreck you. They are like shameless shepherds who care only for themselves. They are like clouds bl- blowing over the land without giving any rain. Whoa, that's it's like selfish rain, selfish cloud. They are like trees in autumn that are, are doubly dead. <laughs> doubly dead. For they bear no fruit and have been pulled up by the roots. Oh, I don't want to go to this church. I really don't, right? That's, it's just a bunch of selfish people thinking about themselves. And you know what? Churches, really, it's not about you. It's about giving, right? And when we come together, we should be sharing, right? I love the fact, uh, that one analogy. I'm not going to say the whole thing, but I love that analogy. We stole this from Mike Kai, Pastor Mike Kai from West Oahu. Uh, that coming to church, coming to mini church and, and coming together, it's like a potluck. It's a spiritual potluck. You should bring something to the table, right? You, you shouldn't just, you know, the, how many guys hate those people? That, like, they either bring nothing or just a bag of chips, like, there you go. I brought forks. Oh, I can grind everything else. You know, it's like, no, you got to, come on, bring something to the table. And guess what? After you leave, everyone can share and you get a whole plate and you, you leave with more than you came with. You should leave with, when you come to church, you should leave with more than you came with. Amen? It should happen that way. Um, and it's a stark contrast to the, the Acts 2 church, right? Remember the Acts 2 church where church was good? In Acts 2 verse 46, it says this. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship 
those who are being saved. Now, I would have to argue, right? It wasn't just the good food and the fellowship and the joy and the generosity. It was the miracles. It was the teaching that were bringing, that were adding to the numbers each day. But you know what? You look at this and go, man, wouldn't you want to be in a place where there's joy and generosity and church is good and going, man, and it's a place where you can invite your friends and you would love to come and, and, and God is adding to your number each day. Don't you want to be a part of that? I do, right? Church God has to be good. And it was bad back then. Okay, um, verse 23. So here's Paul going, you know what? Let me set it straight right here, right? Here's how your, the Lord's Supper is going with you guys, your fellowship meals and your communion. It, this is how it's been going. Let me tell you how it's supposed to be, okay? This is how it's supposed to be. And in verse 23, it says this. For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it into piece, in pieces and said, This is my body which is given for you. Do this to remember me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after, saying, uh, after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this to remember me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes. Isn't that an amazing thing? I love that because he's saying, here's what's wrong, and here's what to do right. Remember Jesus. <laughs> I mean, isn't that sad that he's going, um, yeah, you guys forgot about Jesus? And, and I love the fact that I hear Pastor Carl saying this all the time, is that you don't come because Pastor Carl's such a great speaker, uh, or Pastor Trevor's worship is so awesome. You come here because you want to meet with Jesus Christ. And it doesn't matter, right? It doesn't matter who's here, thank God. You got me tonight. Okay. It doesn't matter, right? Because we're encountering the living God anyway. It's all about Jesus. But in here, he's, he's talking about communion, right? He's talking about the night. And it, it's an amazing thing. And if you don't know, and I want to make sure we're going to be talking about communion. I, wanna, I want you guys to know what communion is, right? When Jesus Christ um, 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 did the Last Supper, the communion, uh, right before he got arrested and he was crucified and stuff, um, he did it on the night of Passover, right? You guys know what Passover is? The Jewish, um, the Jewish always celebrated Passover every year. It was when the beginning of their history is when they were liberated from Egypt, right? When God delivered them from Egypt in a very miraculous way from the Egyptians, and he set them free, right? It was the night. And so every night, every Passover, every year they celebrate Passover as a, as a reminder that God himself, God, God's hand, has delivered and saved Israel and took them out of Egypt and gave them their own land, the promised land. Are you guys with me? And isn't it amazing? Isn't it such a symbolic act? Isn't it so, gosh, God just planned the whole thing, right? That Jesus Christ performed his last supper on the Passover day, right? I mean, isn't, doesn't that work out so, so well? It's like, oh, it's like this full circle, right? Because we're talking the Passover was in the beginning of the Bible, and this is this is in, you know, we're talking the New Testament here. We're talking, I don't know how many years, centuries later. And Jesus decided, you know what, I'm going to do my last supper on this day. And you know what that is for us? It's, it means the same thing. Liberation, freedom, life. Right? Communion. And here's the thing. I think, I think sometimes we don't look at the full um, scope of what communion is. Because when I, you know, when I think of communion, what do I think of? I think of Jesus with his disciples, right? 
I remember one time um, when I was a high school pastor, I decided to show some parts of the, of the, um, the passion. Like, I, we showed, like, clips of the passion, the movie. And you guys saw the passion, right? Okay. And I remember one high schooler came up to me. He's just like, oh, man, that's not fair. You show the, you show the passion clips during communion, man. That's like, oh, my gosh. He's like trying to drive me to tears, you know? I'm like, yeah, you're right. I mean, I want you to remember Jesus Christ, amen? I want you to remember what he did on the cross. I want, this is, this is what you should be doing every single time you take communion. What are you talking about that's not fair? Every time you should be remembering what Jesus Christ did. But I think sometimes we only keep it at that Lord, the Lord's table on that night. Because guess what? When he got crucified, three, day, three days later, he rose again from the grave. He rose again from the grave and became Lord and sat at the right hand of God and became King of all kings and Lord of all lords. Amen? Right? And he is coming again. So every time we take communion, we not only celebrate and remember that Jesus Christ died, he also resurrected from the grave because of the power of the Holy Spirit, and he's coming again in the clouds. That's when we take communion. So communion shouldn't just be this communion, he's going to die. No, man, he's alive. It's a celebration. And I know you shouldn't be like, yeah, communion, whatever. I mean, it should be this, it should be this honor and this, this, you should put some thought into it. But you know what? Add that to you, what your thought of communion is. Are you hearing me? It's a celebration of Jesus Christ as my God. He conquered death. He conquered sin. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I am liberated. I am free. We should, we should celebrate communion like that. So we are, actually. Um, but here's the thing. I'm going to read the rest. Um, in verse 27, it says this, So anyone who eats the bread and drinks the cup of the Lord unworthily is guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. This is why you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup. For if you eat of the bread or drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ, you're eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself. Oh, that's pretty heavy, huh? Right? It's pretty heavy. That is why many of you are weak and sick and some of have even died. I mean, this in the early church, I'm sure people have died when they didn't take the communion seriously, okay? But if you would examine yourselves, we would not be judged by God in this way. Yet, when we are judged by the Lord, we're being disciplined so that we will not be condemned along with the world. So my dear brothers and sisters, when you gather for the Lord's Supper, wait for each other. If you're really hungry, eat at home so you won't bring judgment upon yourselves and when you meet together. I'll give you instructions about the other matters um, after I arrive. And here, Paul gives some really good advice. Gets some really good advice uh, about taking communion, but I also, I think about coming to church in general, right? And, and one of the first things he says about communion, about taking communion is, don't take it unworthily, right? And, we're, and, and somebody goes, oh man, I don't want to do this. The next, we're going to take communion. I don't want to do that. I don't, don't want to take it unworthily. You know what unworthily is? Is that you just kind of take it like it's nothing special. That you put no thought into it. You're going, ooh, crackers. Some juice, a little small, but mm, I'm a little thirsty. You know? You shouldn't take it with, without thinking of what it represents. And I'm hoping that's pretty easy for you guys. Just remember Jesus Christ. Just remember what he did on the cross, right? Remember that he rose again from the grave and he's coming again. That he's king of all kings. I mean, that's that simple, guys. Just make sure your heart is right in that respect. Right? It's not just another meal. Because, I mean, in, in the context of the Corinthian church, they did have a whole meal. Right? They're, they're pigging out. But 
But what, what Paul is saying, while you're doing it, remember Jesus Christ. Right? Remember, even even you're, you're grinding out on the fellowship meal, you're remembering Jesus, okay? The second thing he says, the second piece of advice is, examine yourself before you go. Is that you would prepare yourself by repenting of sin, just going, you know, God, forgive me. Lord, oh, I have some grudges against my brother. Lord, forgive me about that. You know what? And if you, if you have the chance, if you have the opportunity, because that person might be in this crowd right now, right, that you would take communion. Before, before you take communion, you would go to that person, you go, yeah, you know what, dude, I'm sorry. Can you forgive me? I've done that a couple times, and it's been awesome. You know, what, you know what's happened? I prayed. We cried. We took communion together, and all is well. That, this has happened to me. It's an amazing thing. When you, you prepare, examine yourself before you go, you go, God, look, just take all, take all my sin. Forgive me, God. Uh, I want to remember you. Lord, I forgive that my brother down the street for doing whatever he did to me. You know, cleanse your heart. Examine yourself. The third thing, and I, I kind of like this, and this is kind of a, a cool thing. He says, wait for each other. He says, wait for each other. And what was happening, right? Because they had the fellowship meal and the communion. Dude, if you're hungry, you're going to eat, right? And, and what was happening, they were standing in line before anybody else, and they're grinding and picking out and really forgetting that you came for fellowship. You came to hang out. He came to talk. He came to converse. Um, you know, one of my problems is I, I, you know, I may be short, but I walk too fast sometimes. Like, I walk with purpose, you know? Like, I got, I got places to go, even though I got no place to go. Oh, well, you know? And so the other day, um, you know, I'm walking, I'm walking. You know, my wife goes, hey, let's go for a walk, right? And so we can take our, our babies out. Um, we've been taking our babies as practice, right? So I'm, I'm rolling the stroller, and I'm like going, ooh, this stroller works Stroll's really good. We got we got a good stroller, and so I'm like going with the momentum of the stroller, and I just find my, my I find myself going, whoa, yeah, right on, right. And Grace, who just gave birth two months ago, is like, uh, wait for me, <laughs> you know. It's like, are you gonna wait for me, right? And the funny thing is, I have no place to go, I have no destination, but I'm like, dude, I'm yeah, right on. And then Grace has to turn around and go, wait for me, and then I have to remind myself, why am I walking in the first place? I'm walking to hang out with my wife. I'm, I'm walking so that when we walk, we can talk and converse and fellowship and hang out with our kids. You know, you, get, you hearing me? And that's what, when we come to communion, yeah, you know what? You can take communion by yourself and remember the Lord. But I love when we come together and, we, and I see the pockets of people praying, praying with each other. Isn't that awesome? Right? That when I'm alone, there was a couple times when I was alone. Because I come alone, alone to church sometimes. No. That people come up to me, hey, Tom, you want to join me? I'm like, yeah, I'll join you guys. Isn't that awesome? It's, it's a family thing. That we, when we take communion, it's a family thing. That you would grab the people you love. You would, you would grab somebody that you don't even know and go, yeah, you, hey, man, you want to take communion with us? Because it's, it's such a special thing. Because when Jesus Christ took communion, who was with him? His disciples. His brothers, man. He's just like, dude, let's, let's do this. Let's take communion. Okay? Wait for each other, right? It's not about just eating. And then this last... His last advice, and I love this. You know what? If you're really hungry, eat at home. <laughs> eat at home. Now, that's an interesting thing, right? He's like, wait, he's talking about before you go to this fellowship meal where there's like tons of food, eat. <laughs> why? So you don't lose focus of why you're really there. Am I making sense? Right? Get rid of the hunger because seriously, how many guys get grumpy when you're hungry? 
You, you think of no one else when you're hungry, right? I've gotten, almost gotten to it. I didn't start it, guys. I didn't start this. I almost got into fistfights because someone was hungry. I was trying to turn into, like, this parking lot one time, and I guess I was taking too long. And so I turned into the parking lot, and the guy behind me followed me, rolled down his window. He's like, hey, I got to eat, you know. I was like, well, like what? Like, <laughs> okay. Like, you actually took some time <laughs> to turn around. People get grumpy when they're hungry. Well, you know what he's saying? Get rid of your hunger. Get rid of those selfish desires that you have to take care of your own needs. So when you come together, you're focused. And, and how, what does that have to do with the bigger picture of coming to church? And I think this has to do with coming to church in general. When you come, come prepared. Come to worship God. Come with the right frame of mind. Are, are you with me? Don't come like, okay, well, you better get me started with this worship. Come on, Trevor. Get the beat going. Okay, got my leg. Now get my other leg going. Okay, now, okay, my hand. Okay, 20 minutes later. All right, you know. Come prepared. Come with the right mindset. I was like, I'm going to meet with God. I'm going to worship God. And guess what? If anyone's in need, I'm going to share with them. Right? I'm going to pray with somebody. I'm going to fellowship. Be in the right mode before you walk in those doors. Are you hearing me? That when we come together, like imagine if we were all prepped and ready to go. I mean, uh, you know what I love about the collision nights? Everyone's prepped. Why? It's because we've been advertising it, right? We have the cool advertisement. Collision. Right? We have all that. We hype it up, and people are so excited. They got new songs. going to worship. So everyone comes in here with his heart going, dude, they're coming in early. They're getting in the front. Let's do this. They're ready for worship. Ha- same thing happens at camps. How many of you guys been to a camp before? Right? They paid their money to go to camp. So like, man, I, sh- I, I chucked over all this money. It better be good, right? But the night comes, and then everyone's just hyped up, and they're just like, camp, and they're just ready, ready to go. We should be like that every week, don't you think? Should be ready to go. Um, eat before you come. Eat at home, right? Get, get your mindset ready. Are you, guys, are you guys with me? Are you guys ready to take communion? Are you guys re- ready to celebrate our Lord Jesus Christ? All right. Well, let's do it then. Let's do it. Let's bow our heads and pray. Lord Jesus, uh, we come before you right now, and we're going to take communion, and it's an amazing thing. It's, a, it's remembering what you did, but also it's remembering, it's, it's reminding us what you're going to do and what you are doing right now in our lives, and it's an amazing, uh, incredible thing, Jesus Christ. You know, I was, uh, Lord, you reminded me of me. I was talking to someone this week about, man, why you Christians always, you always talk about the good stuff? Well, it's because of you, Jesus, because you're good all the time. And we celebrate you. We celebrate why you have come. We celebrate what you are doing in our lives. And as we, we partake in, in communion, which is the bread that represents the body that you willingly put on the cross for us to forgive us, to give us life, to free us from our sin, to conquer death. You did all that to, to, to lay your body on the cross willingly. That's what that bread rep- represents, Lord. And the blood is represented in the juice. This little cup. The blood that you shed when you were whipped, when those thorns were put on your head, when those nails were put in your hands and feet, when you were hung upon that cross, when they pierced your side, when they did all those things, when that blood, right, the blood, which in the Old Testament 
right? That blood has to be shed for forgiveness. God, you already said that in the Old Testament, and you did it through Jesus Christ. He did it. That blood, that juice, represents that. That life, that life-giving, forgiving blood. Oh, the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you for communion. As we pray, I want to make sure, I want to give an opportunity for anyone to become a Christian right now. To become a follower of Christ. Because I want to do this because guess what? Because you're going to be taking communion. And it's going to be an amazing thing when you accept Jesus Christ and make him your Lord. And the next step you do is remembering what he did for you. In a symbolic and meaningful way. I'm going to say a prayer in a couple seconds here. For anyone that wants to make Jesus Christ their Lord and Savior for the first time. And really what you're doing is you're telling him, I believe what you did on the cross for me. I believe that you gave your life willingly. That you shed your blood. And three days later you rose again from the grave. And that you are king of all kings and lord of all lords. And you are coming again to take home your bride. And you're telling Jesus, I believe that. I will follow you. I give you my life. And if you've never done that, I want to give you that opportunity. In that moment, you'll become a Christian. You'll become born again. The Holy Spirit will fill you. It's an amazing thing. If you want that tonight, I'm going to say a prayer. And all you have to do is say that prayer with me. But I want you to tell me that you're going to be praying with me. Simply by raising your hand. I'm going to, I'm going to count to three. And when I count to three, all you got to do is raise your hand if you want Jesus Christ tonight. On three. One, two, three. Three. Does anybody want that? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Awesome. Anybody else? Yes, give the Lord a hand. Eleven people. All right, put your hands down. Awesome. Amazing. Incredible. Best decision you'll ever make in your whole entire life. Seriously. Because your soul, it depends on it. And now you're going to take communion. But say this prayer before that. Lord Jesus, I come before you. I give you my life. I give you my all. Um, Lord, thank you for dying for me on the cross. Thank you for raising again from the grave. Thank you for coming again for me. I give you my life. I will follow you for the rest of my life. I love you in Jesus' precious name. We all say, let's give the Lord a hand. All right. <laughs>